I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. Charter schools lose favor, voucher support holds steady, opposition to the Common Core plateaus, and President Donald Trump's endorsement appears to widen the partisan divide on key education reform issues. Those are just a few of the key findings from the 2017 Ednext poll on school reform, released on August 15th and available now at educationnext.org. I'm Marty West, Editor-in-Chief of Education Next, and joining me today to discuss those results from this year's poll is Paul Peterson the journal's senior editor, and my co-author of an article on our website detailing the poll's findings. Paul, thanks for taking the time to talk today. Well, thank you, Marty, for having me on your show. It's great to have you back on the Ednext podcast, and it's our first one back after a hiatus for the summer. And while we've been away, I understand that you've launched a podcast of your own, the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. Tell us about it. Your your podcast has been so successful, I decided, well, we (laughs) might as well have two on Education Next. And so on Mondays at noon, uh, we will be releasing uh, the Education Exchange podcast throughout the rest of the year. We've been running for about uh, a month now. And so listeners can find a link to that on our website and uh, as well as on all the various places where one can find podcasts these days. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll encourage listeners to check it out. In the meantime, let's talk about these new survey results that we released this week. Um, Certainly the finding that's grabbed the attention of the press more than anything else is a sharp decline in support for charter schools. Um, Tell us about this decline and what you make of it, Paul. Well, it's across the board. You know, it's uh, falling at about 13 percentage points for the public, but it's about that for Democrats, about that for Republicans, for uh, African Americans, for Hispanics, for whites. Uh, so you can't sort of say it's some targeted group that's left. It just seems to be a trend across the public as a whole. Uh, so it's open to all kinds of interpretation, and uh, I think anybody's guess is uh, probably as good as uh, anybody else's, but my guess is that uh, the d- disappearance of the support for charters from the administration that has left office, the Obama administration, uh, is being felt. Uh, I think that uh, with uh, 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 Duncan in in the Department of Education and uh, the president supporting him. And John King after Secretary and John Duncan. King after that, uh, although not as effectively because he was sort of a Johnny-come-lately, uh, that, um, that really the unions felt unleashed, that they had been kept, they had been contained. But the, the union movement today is really mobilizing to bring charters to a halt. And uh, they're they're very concerned that charters are uh, enrolling in numbers in big cities. Uh, they're afraid that from 6%, you might get to 12%, and then this could be a very big thing for the educational system as a whole, and I think they really are mobilizing. And I think we're seeing the first results of that. And so the decline really is quite substantial, from 51% to 39%, I believe, 12 percentage points. There's still more who say they support charters than who say they oppose them, 39% to 36%, but it's very close now, very evenly divided with uh, about a quarter of the public 
taking a neutral position. And my first instinct when I saw the result was to say, this must have something to do with the fact that a controversial president has embraced charter schools among a suite of uh, school choice policies that uh, he's uh, you know, backed publicly, and that this may have tarnished the policy's view in, in some mind. But uh, I don't think that can be the only story or even a major part of it, because uh, as you noted, the decline is equally large among Democrats as it is among Republicans. Um, when we did an experiment, when we told some uh, of our sample randomly chosen what the president's view was on charters before asking them about their support for charters, we found that that, that actually increased support for charter schools overall. And we but don't mainly on, re, on the part of Republicans. On the part of Republicans only, as you would expect. And then, uh, and then there were losses uh, that offset that on the side of the Democrats. Yeah. So Trump's endorsement seems to have a polarizing effect. Something we'll come back to in a minute. I think the other thing that I noticed is that uh, you know if you thought Trump was responsible for the decline in support for charters, or at least directly responsible, you'd expect to see a similar decline when it comes to other school choice policies that he's endorsed, in particular private school vouchers, but that's not what we see, right? Yeah, you know, it's quite interesting that actually the opposition to various kinds of voucher programs, and we ask about several of them, we ask about universal vouchers, vouchers for everybody, in other words, uh, and targeted vouchers, vouchers for low-income families only, uh, tax credits. Uh, no matter what we ask about, we find that uh, the opposition to these innovations has lessened, has gone down, exactly the opposite of what you would expect if Trump is having a negative impact on the choice movement as a whole. So it's really hard to reconcile the different directions that the charter support is going and what's happening in the voucher world, but I still think one can put that all together if you say the teacher unions who have lots of resources have focused in on charters as the main problem facing the movement today, whereas vouchers, yes, they're around, they're annoying, but they're not the target right now. They were the target maybe 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, they were even more the target, and they sort of let charters have a free ride. Charters have had a free ride for quite a while. Uh, even before the Obama administration, they were not being the focus of, uh, the focus was on vouchers instead. So maybe the vouchers are getting the free ride right now. Now, let's turn to the president's influence, which was another thing we looked at in some detail uh, across a range of issues. We did a series of experiments on four topics, charters, as we've mentioned, uh, tuition tax credit scholarships, which uh, draw a higher level of support than any form of school choice that we ask about, more than 54%, I believe, um, the common core and merit pay. And so for those uh, issues, we conducted experiments where half of the sample was just asked their opinion, as we've usually asked about the issue, and the other half we uh, informed them first about whether President Trump has been supportive or opposed. Um, and this didn't seem to have a huge impact on overall levels of support uh, uh, for these, these issues. But as you mentioned, it had a polarizing effect. So what he picked up uh, from Republicans, he lost from Democrats. And at the time, this is May, June, mostly May, 
Uh, Trump had solid support among Republicans. Uh, his popularity is probably a little higher than it is today, uh, but he had lost support on the Democratic side of the aisle pretty much very from the very beginning of his administration. So uh, unlike uh, President Obama, who comes in and has a honeymoon period, and he can pull everybody along with him on the issues, because we performed the same experiment uh, back in... 2009. Yeah. The first year that President Obama was in office, we did the same thing on uh, three issues. We informed half of the sample about the president's position. And in that case, as you say, we saw across the board increases in support. The president was able to sway the views of 12 to 15% of the public um, and really to sway both Republicans and Democrats. Uh, President Trump looks very different than President Obama did in his first year in, in office. In his first year, but not in his second year. So if you can put yourself back into 2009 and 2010, remember 2010 is when the Republicans have a resurgence, recapture the House of Representatives. We pick that up in our 2010 data when we show that Obama's becoming a polarizing figure already in his second term, in the second year of his first term. Uh, so very quickly, po uh, Obama becomes a polarizing figure, but he's beaten by, by a mile by, uh, by Donald Trump. One of the issues where Obama had this polarizing effect in our experiments, uh, and perhaps more broadly in the real world, was on the Common Core. So we saw when we told people about President Obama's support for the Common Core that boosted support among Democrats reduced it among Republicans when we conducted these surveys early on in his administration. We then later saw support for the Common Core steadily declining from 2013 to 2016, um, and that this decline was led, first of all, by Republicans. It was interesting to see that this year, after four years of steady decline, we saw a leveling off in opposition to the Common Core. Uh, what do you think? is behind that. Well, you know, when you compare what's happening to charters now and what was happening to Common Core, then you can see how effective political campaigns can be in shifting public opinion. If they're very focused, if they, if they really attack a, a specific concept like Common Core or charters, and they come up with some uh, slogans like uh, for, for charters, it's... Uh, they're, they're going to take money away from the public schools for Common Core. They're going to impose national standards on your school. Uh, so it, these sort of uh, very sloganish campaigns can, can have an impact. But as soon as those campaigns sort of, you know, disappear, and the Common Core campaign is nowhere near what it was four years ago or three years ago, after the 2016 election, it, and it wasn't even a big issue in the 2016 election. It was there, Trump and Clinton disagreed, but it was by no means the central issue. The, you see that the uh, Common Core sort of has an undergirding of support, and the, there's two things in this year's uh, poll that really underline that fact, that the Common Core picks up support from teachers uh, it's the first time that we see a reversal in teacher opinion. Uh, now, oh, teachers who have been turning against Common Core have now, not by a large amount, but by a significant amount, have now uh, 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 moved back towards supporting uh, Teachers Common are now Core. evenly split on it, 45% in favor, 44% opposed, um, which, given that I think a lot of people uh, learn about education policy initiatives through their experiences uh, and what they hear from 
teachers uh, would seem to be a heartening development for backers of the government. Uh, absolutely, and especially when you uh, combine that with the fact that support for similar standards across the states, which is very, you know, we use exactly the same words in two versions of the question. One, we use include Common Core, one, we drop it out. And we get a lot more support when we drop out the phrase Common Core. And not only does it uh, get more support than when Common Core is used, but it's getting more support in 2017 than in 2016, especially among Republicans. So the underlying support for the idea of similar standards across the states is definitely in place. And this, this movement is not dead. I think a lot of states are actually putting into place standards that are very similar to Common Core, but nobody is going to call it that. Yeah, they make little tweaks, but by and large leave the same standards in place and just make sure that it doesn't say Common Core on the name, right? Uh, and that would seem to be a strategy designed to win over the public support. We find 61% of the public as a whole in favor of using re, uh, standards for reading and math that are the same across the states just 20% of the public opposed to that. Um, and so as you say, I think it's right to say that this movement towards trying to establish a more comparable framework for evaluating student performance across the states uh, is not at all dead. Uh, I think that we're going to uh, see a lot of action uh, below the surface, and we're not going to see a lot of opposition. And, you know, the Tea Party was using Common Core as a mobilizing tool. The teachers' union today is trying to mobilize their membership uh, through the charter issue. So, you know, when you've got uh, concentrated groups with substantial resources that want to mobilize their membership uh, around an issue, uh, that's when other people out there have to worry that their, their, their darlings could be uh, endangered. Well, there's a lot more that we could talk about in the survey, but that's what we have time for today. I'd encourage readers to check out the full set of results on our website at educationnext.org. And we'll be back next week, uh, at least maybe even beyond that, to talk about some of the other uh, new developments in our survey work this year. In the meantime, Paul, thanks for uh, joining me. Well, thank you for inviting me. You've been listening to the Ednext podcast. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And if you have a minute, please let us know what you think of the show by writing a review. Paul and I will be back next week to discuss some new findings from this year's survey.